All right, back at it here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peter. And right now we're talking about me basically throwing numbers in the trash for the time being and saying I just want wins for Deshaun Watson. That's how I know he'll be elite. How will you know he'll be elite? 216-474-0092. You're hanging, hang tight. I'm going to make a, it's going to be a elongated point, and then I'll get to your phone calls, I promise. You know, in between the break, we were discussing, and, uh, you know, Jake brought it up in between because we were talking about, uh, last segment I mentioned Joe Burrow. I'm like, I don't know how many yards Joe Burrow threw. I know Patrick Mahomes threw for over 5,000. Knew that one. But I'm like, I don't know how many Joe Burrow threw for. The point is, is that Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter wins games. And he continually makes it to the AFC title game. He has in the previous two years. You trust Joe Burrow. The reason why Joe Burrow is in a tier alone, in my estimation, it goes Mahomes in his own tier, Burrow in another tier, and then the rest of the field in that tier three where you can sort him out from there is because of his ability to win. That's what I'm looking for with Deshaun Watson. But to take it a step further... Let's do a blind resume test really quickly. And now, Jake, you were just looking at some of the numbers the way I was looking at them, so you're probably going to know this answer. But play along with me here, okay? Player A, 44.75 total yards last year, 35 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, passer rating of 100.8, QBR 58.7. Player B, 4,438 yards, so that is like 37 Fewer yards, right? 37 fewer yards, 29 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. So 5 fewer interceptions, but 6 fewer touchdowns. Passer rating, 99.3, so within a point and a half of each other, and a higher QBR of 61.1 to 58.7. Jake, I'm assuming you can guess player A. I I can, yeah. Okay, go ahead for the people. Uh, Player A is Joe Burrow. Very good job. Very good. Thank you. You earned the cookie. Congratulations. All right. Now, really impress me here. Uh, Who's player B? Uh, I didn't go that far down, but I was just scrolling the list. I'm going to guess that's Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Exactly right. You get two cookies. Jared Goff. Think about that for a second. There is not a person on planet Earth that if the aliens came down, it finally happened. I mean, maybe not finally, according to some reports, but like the aliens made contact with everybody and said, screw you all. We're taking over Earth, and then we put our finest minds in in front of them and said, wait a second, we can settle this like civilized beings. Let's do this the right way. One football game for the fate of the universe. You get your quarterback, we get our quarterback. There's not a single person that if you're staring over at Joe Burrow or Jared Goff is taking Jared Goff for Team America, Team World, okay? There's not a single person that is doing that. Everyone is like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the answer. There's not a single person that puts Jared Goff as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Yet if you just go by the numbers, Jared Goff had every bit the season last year as Joe Burrow. He did. They're all right there. But the difference here is why I'm telling you sometimes numbers can lie. Numbers aren't 100%. You got to take more into account than just the yards, the passer rating, the touchdowns, the interceptions. And that's where Joe Burrow truly does shine. It's when you have those yards and touchdowns. It's converting the third downs into first downs. It's making the ridiculously hard plays look easy and doing it routinely. I'm not here to admonish Jared Goff. Jared Goff deserves more respect for what he did last year, but the reality is when having conversations like these, it's not just about who threw for 5,000 yards. 
Tom Brady last year. Jake, I believe you left him for dead the other day. Did you not? Was that you? I didn't leave him for dead. You left him for dead. He should remain retired and not go to the Bengals. I'm pretty sure you said the man doesn't have a pulse anymore. I didn't say that. No, you didn't say that. No, you didn't say that. But you basically said he didn't have a a good season last year. Am I not mistaken? And then I, I was like, he had a good season. Much better than you remember, and I think we kind of met in the middle. Is that right? Yeah, I said it wasn't a great season, but it was an okay season. Yeah, so Tom Brady was third in the league in passing yards last year, nearly 4,700. I I mean, like, you can't just go by some of these things. Hell, if I were to promise you Deshaun Watson's yards, or excuse me, Deshaun Watson had the same season that Tom Brady had last year from a yards, touchdown perspective, everything else, you'd probably say, let's do it. 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. You'd be like, hell yeah, let's go. But that's why it's deceiving. That's why Deshaun's time in Houston, the last year where he went 4-12, and is incredibly deceiving. 4,800 yards, 30-plus touchdowns, fewer than 10 interceptions. I need you to not put up garbage time. I need you to be the guy in the fourth quarter that takes over games, that wins the ball games that we need to win, that goes toe-to-toe against the great quarterbacks. Like, part of why I love Joe Burrow, I'm not here to just genuflect at the altar of Joe Burrow all day, but what I like about Joe Burrow He's one of those quarterbacks that tells Patrick Mahomes, screw you, I'm just as good, and then goes out there and actually beats him on a consistent basis. See, 3-1 and one all time against Joe Burrow? Unreal. That's what I like about him. Hell, that's the one saving grace I have with Justin Herbert. People rip Justin Herbert for the entire two days that he just cashed in the largest check in football history, and I'm over here like, well, look at his record against Mahomes. It's pretty good. There's a stretch there. He's the only person in the league not named Joe Burrow that could beat Patrick Mahomes. Like, when you beat the best and you have those big-time moments, even if you completely screw it up in the postseason game that you had, you get some passes. And that postseason game, he took a lot of flack for. No doubt about that. 216474 to below 92. Drake in Cleveland up next on the fan. Hello, Drake. How you doing today? Hey, how's, how's it going, man? What's up? I'm wondering if you're talking about Joe Burrow, the same one that Baker Mayfield just said, I'm better than you and kept on beating. Is that you talking about that, Joe Burrow? And is that not why we just absolutely fell in love with Baker Mayfield? The, the five-touchdown game, Donovan Peoples-Jones in the corner. Who takes it down. Let's go. Yeah, that's, that's what's up. Now, but seriously, though, Joe Burrow, is he, he is the truth. But I don't know if um, he deserves getting put up there with Patrick Mahomes. Like, y'all, you know, um, Josh Allen – he, he throws too many picks. He's too inconsistent. He missed too many open receivers, but somehow he's still elite. I, I'm just, I've been like, on the anti-Josh like Allen. Kind of different. I, I've been on the anti-Josh Allen elite train for a while. Year three was his best year by far. Past three years, Drake, who leads the league in interceptions? Josh Allen, 39. It's easy. Yeah, yeah, but, but you never know that. No, well, unless you listen to me, Drake. Yeah, you, you never know that because he, he's a darling. But, I'm, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, um, Joe Burrow, he does deserve a lot of credit for being a great quarterback. But I don't know if I would put him in the elite category yet. You know what I'm saying? Just think- as me. Um, Patrick Mahomes is truly there. And the guy that um, is quarterback for the Cleveland Browns is also truly there. You know what I'm saying? So, those are the guys that's elite in my I, I don't think Justin Herbert is elite. I don't think Dak Prescott is elite. Drake, I want to get this you know, right. I, I want to get this right. Your list of elite quarterbacks in the NFL, and Cleveland Sports Radio, so take it for what it is. It's Mahomes right now it's and only Watson. Two. It's only two. Okay. All right. Joe Burrow sitting on the outside. He, he, if he keep playing like he's playing, he'll be there too, but I can't put him there just yet. All right, Drake, I'm, I'm giving you the little uh, the little pencil emoji right now. I'm writing that one down, that's all right? What's up. I got you. I got you that's, locked that's, in. That's what's up. All right. Thank you, Drake. I appreciate you, man. Yep. All right.
I can't go that far. I'd love to go that far. I can't go that far. It would be a really funny headline because I think people would think I'm just uh, a tiki. I'm not entirely sure. You know, uh, it might be one of those uh, one of those New York sports talk radio hosts that just got given a new show where all of a sudden it's like Daniel Jones is a top five quarterback. It's like really, really New York sports talk radio host says Daniel Jones is a top five quarterback. Keller me shocked. Can't believe they said that. So like I don't even need to waste your guys' time and waste my own breath telling you anything about Deshaun Watson being anything. But I've never once said he's gonna he's elite right now. He's got to earn that. Come on, he's got to earn that. I love Deshaun Watson. I want Deshaun Watson to be awesome for this football team. I had the Browns penciled in for 11 wins when the schedule game came out. Okay, had him for 11 wins. At the time, people were calling me homers. Now they've turned around and said, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One of the best two to 53s in the NFL. If Deshaun Watson is as good as you think he could be, then, yeah, it kind of tracks a little bit. But I can't put him at elite quite yet. That that seems like that one's a bit much. Just a bit much. I'm trying to think what my, my dividing line, and I told you I'm not into the numbers right now, and I'm not going to make myself be into the numbers because it all matters for the wins. So what is my dividing line for wins where I will still think Deshaun Watson is elite and we get phone calls like we just had with Drake where he'll put him up in the same tier as Patrick Mahomes? I don't think there's a number he can get to where the NFL community would put him up there with Mahomes this season. I don't think that number exists out there. But let's play with that Burrow territory. What is the number of wins that Deshaun Watson's got to get to? where he's in that Joe Burrow category. I think a lot of it honestly starts with the idea that in week one, you got to take care of Burrow, and that that's first and foremost. You take care of Burrow out of the gate, it's going to be like you just slayed Goliath, and then all of a sudden you go into Pittsburgh, you take on Pittsburgh, you take care of Tennessee, you're 3-0, and Take on the Ravens and Lamar. Lamar has famously just owned us in his time in Baltimore right now. You can go through that first little stretch of the AFC North where you face on every team in the AFC North in the first four weeks of the season, heading into that bye week before you take on San Francisco. You start off 4-0. We're having a lot of different conversations. I think at the end of the season, A lot of what we do with Deshaun Watson, though, is going to be dictated by the idea of how many W's he has as opposed to what his numbers are. Because even Patrick Mahomes, you know, Mahomes was by far the best quarterback in the NFL this year. There's no real debate on that one. But you can go back as recently as 2020, and he had some seasons in here where he had a lot of yards per game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But he didn't lead the league in yards total has only led the league in in, in touchdowns twice in his career. He's got a lot of nice stats, nice numbers, but the secret sauce with Patrick Mahomes is that if you're down 20 in a game, you still think you're in the game when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. There's no ruling you out of a game when that man's in it. He just always does enough to get the job done. There's no bonus points for blowing out guys 38-7. to He He just always makes sure that he gets the last laugh. That's what makes Patrick Mahomes so great. Two one six four seven four to below 92. That's what I want for Deshaun Watson. When Deshaun Watson feels like he's always getting the last laugh on these teams, that's when I'm going to know, not only do we have our franchise quarterback, but he's elite. Daryl in Cleveland. I'm next in the fan. Hello, Daryl. Yo, I was on all, JP. Hey, what's up, Daryl? 
Hey, Drake is one of my guys, man, a long-time friend, but I got to disagree with him on this one. Um, <laughs> there's only one elite quarterback in the NFL, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Mm. I just don't think that you can attach that you can't attach that word to somebody that has not won an NFL championship. I mean, it, it gets thrown around too. It gets go, thrown around too easily. Um, the other elite quarterback just retired that was in the league. So right now, as we stand, there's only one elite quarterback in the NFL. That's how I see it. Daryl, I mean, you're not going to get a fight from me. I think Burrow's knocking on that door, but you're not going to get an argument from me. Not right now on that one, Daryl. No, and Burrow, like like Drake said, he's on his way. He will be there. But it's not like these Kansas City teams that Patrick Mahomes has had these uh, championships with were – it's not like they were stacked to the gills. It's not. True. He made them better. It's not like those offenses were stacked to the gills. He drove them down the field and won. He made them better. Once Joe Burrow can do that, and it, it looks, sometimes I think he's had a better – actually had a better offense because – of uh, Joe Mixon, but once he can take a sub, I would say a, <clears throat> a B, I would say maybe a high a high C, low B offense, and win that many championships, then we could talk. Yeah, Daryl's great because point. Patrick, yeah. Patrick didn't do it with a lot of talent. That's got to be the, the remaining part there, and, and Daryl, I appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. That's got to be the part, right? Like, can Joe Burrow do it? They're going to pay Jamar Chase. T. Higgins is gone after this year. If the Bengals don't win a title, they're going to look back on this year as an absolute failure for not getting rid of T. Higgins for a first-round pick. That's just, there's only one way to look at that, because he's gone after this year. His bags are packed. Uh, hasta la vista, baby. Like, he's gone. There, there's just no there's no getting him back. I think that was Schwarzenegger. Was that Schwarzenegger? Felt like it to me. We did an, uh, we almost did an hasta luego, but my Spanish isn't uh, prime enough to remember if hasta luego is exactly what I was going for there or not. Not sure. It felt right to me, but I don't know. It's see you later. That is see you later? Yeah. All right. Would have worked. Thank you. I did the same two years of Spanish that everybody else did in high school, and for some reason, I don't remember it at all. My wife remembers so many, so many different, like, phrases and words. We could be dropped in the middle of Tijuana, and I promise we would be all right with my wife. With me, I would be like, uh, ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? And that's it. That's all I got. All right. 216474 that's got to be the point with Joe Burrow, though. No question about that. What happens when his weapons start ta- uh, being taken away? What does he do to combat that? Because Mahomes had Tyreek Hill ripped away from him, and then all he did was go out there and throw for 400 more yards, more touchdowns, higher yards per game by about 30 than he had the year prior, and was just absolutely unstoppable. All right, leave that there, but come on back. Something happened across the NBA that I think could be good news if you're tired of the Donovan Mitchell to New York conversation. We'll get to that. We got to get to a wide receiver conversation as well. We got to put some respect on Amari Cooper's name. We got the fan focus at nine. A lot to get to. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan. All right, back in here on the fan. You know, we're going to have a, uh, a popcorn discussion here because I, we're going to get to what Shams had to say and how it changes everything with Donovan Mitchell and the conversation around the Knicks in just a second. But we have Jake, who works at a movie theater. We have Mitch, who's our resident movie critic, although we actually do have a movie critic for the show. But anytime Mitch is on, he's he's our 
He's our movie critic because he does – it's sports movies, though. It's got to be sports movies. And then we go to Mitch, but he's just a movie junkie. And what's funny is, so if you, you guys listen to Afternoon Drive at all, Nick just – Nick went on a rant about popcorn because I guess a lot of people have hot popcorn takes. And I, I couldn't really even keep them all straight, to be honest. But – and I don't know, Jake, I don't remember what side of the fence you fall on. Mitch, I don't know what side of the fence you fall on. But I did find it funny that this is the first time – I've been working here now for seven years – this is the first time that I've ever brought popcorn from home to the radio station to eat. Of all days, we had this big, massive popcorn discussion with Nick earlier today, and in my bag is popcorn that I plan on making and eating at some point in the 10 o'clock hour. So if I have this right, Mitch, you want ketchup with that popcorn? I've said I've said here on the airwaves before that at times, not every time, but I've had popcorn that you have like a little dipping thing of ketchup beside I don't think it's that bad. I'm going to be honest with you. I Listen, do you know how hard it is to be innovative with food? This is like Pepsi Peeps all over again, okay? like I Listen, it's hard. It's really hard. To, and I, I get no one's asking for it. But you know what uh, innovator you got to be to throw ketchup with popcorn and make it work if it works for you? I, I can't shame any of it, Mitch. I, I, I won't shame any of it. I mean, to be fair, it's not like a movie thing that I do where I'm taking like the little ketchup packets on the side that you have for the hot dogs and just yeah, spurting it over the popcorn. Yeah, you one of the little containers, right? One yeah, of the little containers. that's a just, home thing. You're just dunking and going. I get it. Yeah, you don't want to do that in the wild. People might videotape you and then put right. you on social media. and <laughs> That's not great. Uh, and then, Jake, you just don't even like popcorn at all. Uh, no, I'm, I'm like a take it or leave it. Like, I'll okay. eat it here and there. Just I don't need it. All right. No, it's all fair. I just thought it was funny. We had so many popcorn discussions. It's the first time I've ever brought popcorn from home. Yesterday I was hungry. I was hungry like 10, 1030, and I forgot my bananas. Usually I bring bananas. Forgot my bananas, and uh, I was walking out of the door today. I had one banana left, which is not enough bananas for me, so I grabbed the one banana, and then I looked in the cabinet, and I was like, oh, here's popcorn. Let me grab popcorn. That's going to be great. I'll popcorn at like 1020 or so. And uh, then today popcorn just gets ridiculed across the station. I can't eat it safely. I, for what it's worth, I pop it, I eat it, I have not given a thought outside of that to popcorn in the entire time. I will do a hierarchy of popcorn, though. I think the... I want to get this right. What's the little, what's the, what's the one with the harder texture? Caramel corn. I like caramel corn, I like cheddar, and then I like traditional. So you give me one of those big buckets where it's got, like, all three of them, and then you get, like, a little bit of each with each grab. That's the perfect combination for me. That's that's my ideal world. All right. Anyway, Sham Strana was on Bally Sports, the rally is the show. The name of the show that he goes on, it's called The Rally, and uh, he was talking about Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard's in an interesting situation. So for those that don't know right now, uh, and, and listen, I, I know it's weird. You're like, you guys spend so much time talking about Dame for, like, a week stretch and then now we just haven't talked about Dame Lillard at all. Well, Dame told Portland that he wanted it was Miami or bust for him. Now Dame's got hip hop albums. He's got uh, an infatuation with Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra. He's got a lot of reasons to want to go play in Miami outside of just the fact that there's no uh, there's no state tax. There's a lot of reasons though that he'd want to find his way in Miami. There's a lot of things that would benefit his life on and off the court in Miami, instead of being shipped out to basketball Siberia, which is still on the table. You know, the part of this equation that Damian Lillard didn't 100% think through, when you're owed $216 million, but you don't have a no-trade clause, and you ask to be traded, you can go literally anywhere. 
But what Damian Lillard was banking on was the idea that historically in NBA situations, you ask for a trade and you get the trade. Now, what's made this hang up different than most, like Anthony Davis to the Lakers could happen because ball was there, you had the right picks, you had the situation set up where the Lakers had enough of a package to make it you know, work for both sides. This isn't you being drunk on NBA 2K at 3 in the morning where you get to just make whatever trade you want happen and then it just goes through. Like these are, this is real organizations at play here. Portland's going to benefit just as much as Dame has to benefit, okay? So now that that's established, we all got that. We're all aware. We're caught up. This is what Shams reported earlier today that the NBA sent out in regards to Dame saying it's Miami or bust for him. As we reported and as his agent has said publicly, that he only wants to play in Miami. And the league advised both Lillard and Goodwin that any future comments of the sort as far as him wanting to only play in Miami will be potentially subject him to discipline, I'm told, uh, in this memo uh, if those comments continue, as well as a warning to the NBPA that any future comments by players, their agents, that are similar to the ones as far as I only want to play for this specific team in a trade request, uh, if that's made, that could also be subject to potential discipline as well. So what they're telling you is the NBA wants to put the kibosh on being able to call your shot and being able to put out where you want to go play next. They're trying to stamp that down and stop it. And in thinking about this, listen, I never thought that Damian Lillard was going to end up in Miami anyway. I think it's fascinating, though, the twist that has happened. Dame went from three weeks ago thinking he could call his shot. He was going to play hardball. If you traded for me... Good luck. I got four more years, $216 million left. Good luck. You're getting a dude that might not show up for practice. You're getting a guy that's not going to show up for part of the games and the, the before the regular season gets underway. You're going to get a disgruntled employee if you trade for me. He tried intimidating the hell out of anybody that would want to trade for him. And I understand the tactic. You don't want to play in basketball Siberia. You don't want to play for any Joe Schmo. And I don't think he was going to end up in any Joe Schmo. Realistically, I thought Philadelphia would be the best option for him. I thought that would be the most fun for all of us. But it would take a lot. Maxie would have been part of the deal. I know Philadelphia doesn't want to do that. You'd have to try to convince Harden to stay. So it would be Harden, Embiid, Dame. You probably got a three-year stretch there. Three-year stretch in a really tough Eastern Conference. It's not easy. But the part I found fascinating was that Dame and everyone around Dame thought that he was going to get his wish and the temerity of it all And what really blew me away was how they never accounted for the fact that the Trailblazers needed to go ahead and get theirs as well. You know, Portland needed to have some respect put on their name as well. Their GM has been in the job since 2021. He's been with Portland for much longer, but he's been in that job since 2021. And what I told you at the time with Dame was that Portland was showing you how... It doesn't matter what you've done, a business is still a business. And Portland's got to take care of themselves. They go out there and get scoot at number three overall. they got to put together a good roster and a good team. That's just the reality. they got to look out for themselves. The same way the company you work for can at any given point tell you to update your LinkedIn uh, resume and to make sure that you you have your desk cleaned out by the end of the day, and it just thumbs the brakes. That's just the reality. If they if they think that you don't give them enough value anymore for the two-week paycheck that they give you, guess what? 
don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. Like that's just, that, that's part of the deal. And I think now we've gotten that down as a society way more than we used to. That's why I also tell people and why I'm also very cognizant of the idea that in most situations, you got to look out for you as well. If the company's going to do what they're going to do, you got to look out for you as well. I, it's one of the flaws I have as a human. I think it's a great, I think it's a great characteristic when it comes to like me and my wife, but maybe not as great when it comes to the business world and that I am extremely loyal. If you're good to me, I'm never going to look. I'm never going to be like, hey, let me go see what's going on over here. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I like being here. I want to be here. I got no reason to assume otherwise. I'm I'm great. I'm happy. But today's day and age, it rewards the people that go out there and are constantly looking and constantly going for the pay raises and the different spots and the different things. It's just it's part of who we are right now. Dame thought, because he was an NBA top 75 player, won the gold medals, was one of the best players in Trailblazers history that Portland was going to do right by him. And it's just another lesson how that's not how this operates. Portland doesn't have to take care of you in the slightest bit. But what the NBA is saying today is that you can't, if you're Dame, rig the system through your own public comments to make it where you get to land where you want to play. Because in the process, what he did was scare away a lot of other comp- uh, competitors and other interested parties to a point where he was left with Portland just dealing with Miami, and that was that. And that's not fair to Portland. It was the NBA sticking up for Portland, which makes sense. That's what the league is supposed to do. They look after, it's a, it's a player's league is what we always say, but they're going to look after the teams in these type of situations. Now, why I say this matters for Donovan Mitchell Anybody that thought that Donovan Mitchell at any point in the upcoming months or even after this next year could just go around and say how he's only going to New York and he's only doing this with New York and he only wants to be with the Knicks and the Knicks are the only team that he wants to be involved with. The NBA just told you today that doesn't that's not what we're doing here. Like Donovan, you you might end up with your, you know, your dad worked for the Mets for a million years. I understand that you grew up playing in Rucker Park, like there's a lot about New York that matters to you. What the NBA said today, until you hit free agency in 2025, we don't want to hear that conversation. We don't want to hear that rhetoric. We don't want to hear that talk. If we so much hear a sniff of Donovan Mitchell or anybody else campaigning, like they're running for Congress or something, campaigning for another team and to go to specifically one other team, then there's going to be fines for that. There's going to be discipline for that. And I think that's the right move by the NBA. They needed to get a stranglehold on this entire situation because it's just, it's so backwards how it's currently set up. And it's so backwards what's happening with Portland and with Dame and the entirety of what, how this situation has transpired. So I like this for the NBA. I think this is a good move. And I also like it for the idea that when we get closer and closer, and I hope this day doesn't truly come, where we got to think about shopping Donovan Mitchell, it's not going to be Donovan saying, I only want to go to the Knicks. It's going to be more of a collective. He can't publicly say he wants to go to New York now. He can't publicly say that's the team they better trade me to or I'm not going to go to any practices for anybody else. The only recourse that Donovan Mitchell can have 
is just being like, I want to be gone. Which still isn't great. Like Donovan right now or Damian right now, they can all they can do is say, I don't want to play here anymore. But they can't go out there and publicly call their own spot. There's a difference there. Now what happens behind the scenes? That's a different ballgame, obviously. But what the NBA is telling you today is they're not going to have things like that happen anymore. thought it's a fascinating development. All right. We got the fan focus coming your way in about 25 minutes. We come on back, though. Amari Cooper returned to the practice field today. I don't love the conversation around Amari in the previous 48 hours. And I know what people are trying to do. You're trying to prop up Elijah Moore. But in trying to prop up Elijah Moore, I feel like Amari Cooper has taken one too many strays. Is Amari the most important non-Deshaun Watson player on offense for the Browns? 216-474-0092. If you believe it, let me in why. If you don't, I'd love to hear the player that you think it is. In my estimation, it goes Deshaun Watson 1, Amari Cooper 2, and then we can debate for number 3. But if you think, and this is most important, this is not the best player, okay? You know, Joe Batonio is a future Hall of Famer. He's not in this discussion. Nick Chubb, potentially a future Hall of Famer, can be in the discussion, but we've seen what's happened to the running backs in the previous week and a half. I don't think he's the second most important offensive player. Where exactly does Amari Cooper rank on that? And how likely is it that at the end of the season, he stays in that assumed two role? Two one six four seven four to below 92. Is Amari the most important non-Deshaun Watson player on offense? We'll do it next right here on The Fan. All right, back out of here on The Fan. we got to get to The Fan Focus coming up at 9 o'clock. We'll get to The Guardians when that one wraps up as well. But I, I want to talk about Amari Cooper. And I get it. We all like new and mysterious. Now, affairs are built on that foundation, right? A lot of good men and women throw away great partners on the basis of new and mysterious. But a lot of times it's not about the new person. More it's about the problems with the person you're with. And what I was thinking about with Amari Cooper was... This Elijah Moore infatuation over the previous couple days. Are we excited about Elijah Moore because he's new and mysterious and we don't know what to expect out of Elijah Moore? Comes with a very questionable pass, but he's a very high boom or bust type player. I mean, let's be honest about it. Elijah Moore last year was basically just doing cardio out there on the field for the Jets. They were running him ragged while not throwing him the football. He was getting a, just a good exercise in for 60 minutes at a time. I love the idea of Elijah Moore. What's bothered me, though, is a lot of people in the previous 24 hours or so feel like they put Elijah Moore up over Amari Cooper, or at least contending with Amari Cooper. And I just feel like we got to put some more respect on Amari Cooper's name. Can we just, can we do that? He's dependable. He's reliable. You know, sometimes I like going to fast food spots because I know what I'm going to get. Nobody's mistaking them for a Michelin restaurant, but I know what I'm going to get. I know how it's going to taste, and I can rely on it. Amari Cooper is sharpied in, not penciled in, for 1,100 yards every single season. He had 1,100 yards with Derek Carr. He had 1,100 with Dak. He's had 1,100 with Brissett and Watson last year. At some point, you just have to accept that he can do it with anyone. Now, Peyton Manning took four different head coaches to the Super Bowl. Four different. It's an NFL record. And you know what? At the end of the fourth one, I had to just throw up my arms and say, you know what? I guess he can take anybody to the Super Bowl. That's how Peyton Manning operates. 
I'm not saying he won every one of them, but he, you know, but uh, when it comes to Peyton Manning, he knew how to go ahead and not only get there, but do it with anybody. At 28 years old, you can make an argument. Last season was Amari Cooper's best season. Yet the rhetoric continues to turn around with camp. And I know Amari Cooper's been out for the majority of the week. He returned back to the practice field today. So it was good to see him out there doing what he does best. But let's not get this mistaken. Is it Amari Cooper that is going to be the number one this year? Without question. Without question. You know what has to break right for Elijah Moore in order to see that not be the case? And really, there's only one person that is competing in this argument. It's Elijah Moore, because he's the one person on this roster, not named Amari Cooper, that with Deshaun Watson could go for something insane like 1,500 yards, and I would have to stop calling it insane. I wouldn't blink my eye. I I really do believe he can have that type of season in him. What's more likely is something like eight or 900 yards, but even that I'd accept. If he's playing in that area, let's say and Joku's up a little bit more than what he typically has. Let's say he's in the 700-yard area. Donovan Peoples-Jones in that seven to 900 range as well. Uh, you're stacking up a lot of yards for Deshaun Watson. I'm ready to prop up Elijah Moore, but he's not that level of dependable. Where he's had one good season, and then we watched him be used wrong by the Jets in year two, and he took a step back. Here's what I know. And, and tell me if I got this one right or wrong. 216-474 to below 92. What I believe to be true, though, is the Browns' offense can withstand any injury from the receivers not named Amari Cooper. If Cooper goes down, it's not like if Watson went down. But the value that receivers currently have in the NFL, I don't think Watson at this point can make anyone around him awesome. He's not Mahomes. I don't even know if Burrow can make anyone around him awesome. I don't think I'm speaking out of pocket here. Mahomes had Tyreek Hill go to Miami and look just as good. And uh, you can make an argument look better while on his way to a Super Bowl, making guys like Isaiah Pacheco, a seventh-round pick, be an awesome running back for them. So many rookies up and down that roster. And he was just able to get the job done. I don't think Deshaun Watson can do that. If Amari Cooper goes down, we got big issues on our hands. Meanwhile, if Elijah Moore goes down, it sucks. You don't want to see that. Obviously, we traded a second-round pick for the guy. But if Amari Cooper goes down, it's a completely different ball game than if Elijah Moore goes down. And I think that's got to be the main point. Because I've already got him sharpied in for X amount of production. I know on a day-in, day-out basis what I'm going to get out of Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is buying a vase for $50, getting $50 of value out of it, and selling it for $51. Okay, that's, that's what Amari Cooper is. Elijah Moore is the lottery ticket. Buy it for 2 bucks, hope it turns into $2 million. That, that's what the difference here. There's one I can depend on. There's one I know is going to be good. There's one I don't even have to think twice about. And I feel like in all these Browns conversations, we've just kind of taken Amari Cooper for granted. We just kind of have accepted the fact that he's going to be good. He's going to contribute. He's going to be awesome. And we haven't necessarily put into the equation the idea that, well, there's 1,100 yards. There's 1,200 yards. There's a walking number one wide receiver. And I just got a little peeved by it. Nothing crazy. You know, am I going to stay on this for weeks on end and then make this my big diatribe when it comes to the receivers? No. You'll hear it tonight. I'll probably be about it. Not much else more on this one. But I just thought the past couple days, as people bent backwards to try to find how great Elijah Moore was and is, which, again, it's fun. 
it's fun that Elijah Moore went from when we traded for him being the third wide receiver option to now he's unequivocally the second. Meanwhile, he hasn't played a snap in that entire stretch, but he's got a good connection with Deshaun Watson. It feels kind of similar to that Baker Mayfield, Richard Higgins connection where you can't really explain why it works, but it just works. He said yesterday he wants to play anywhere on the football field. He's going to play in the slot. He's going to play on the outside. He's going to do a lot of vertical stuff. Like he is, he is ready to be that guy for the Browns. And that's great news. It's great news. I don't want to throw anyone down to try to prop anybody else up, but like, it just feels wrong to me that we spend 48 hours salivating at the mouth over the idea that Elijah Moore could eventually get to a thousand yards. Meanwhile, Amari Cooper is sitting over in the corner like, Hey guys, Hey, it's me. Uh, I, I do a, a thousand yards every single season. I, I can get 1100 yards with any quarterback. I've done it three, three different quarterbacks, combination of four technically with last year. I could do, I get a, I get a thousand yards blindfolded yet. I, I, I get treated like I'm some sort of scrub for some reason. I get treated like a less than, and I understand it. You know, Amari Cooper is not Stephon Diggs. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not Devontae Adams. He is not a number one Jamar Chase, a top five number one wide receiver. He's a number one wide receiver, but he's not a top five wide receiver at his position. And so I, I feel like he gets donked on a little bit. I feel like sometimes it's not, it's not Amari's fault but Amari being like the 15th best wide receiver in the NFL makes a lot of you guys think, well, maybe the grass could be greener if Elijah Moore ends up being the number one this year. And it just seems banana land to me. Amari Cooper is legitimately awesome. But in asking you guys if he's the most important non-Deshaun Watson player on offense, I think that's more a reflection of where the NFL is as opposed to where Amari Cooper is on this team. Here's what I know. The Bengals without Jamar Chase are not the Bengals. They're good, but for most teams in the NFL, if you take off their top receiver, that's the second most important player they have on offense. Diggs in Buffalo. I'll throw Kelsey in the mix in Kansas City because he's basically a wide receiver. Chase in Cincinnati. Williams in New York with the Jets. The top teams, it really is becoming your NBA jam combo of quarterback and wide receiver. That doesn't mean the best player. Best player is different. Best player on this Browns roster right now, top to bottom, Nick Chubb, Joe Batonio. But I'm not asking that. I'm talking about most important. Your left guard and running back are not your most important players, not named Deshaun Watson on this team. And Joku's fun, but he's not reliable enough for this conversation. I can't tell you how much I love Amari Cooper's dependability, Amari Cooper's reliability, and then tell you David and Joku's up for the running in this conversation when the man just gets injured too much. I love him. He's one of my favorite players in recent Browns years. There's no question about that. I love him, but he just he's just a, he's too injured. Too injured too consistently for me to be in that conversation. But Amari's the answer for me. And the at the end of the season, this may end up changing. You know, we may look around and Elijah Moore has broke out and has become everything you dream of and then some. But those are the good problems, Marlo Stanfield. You take those when you get them. I don't think entering this year, we should have put the expectations for Elijah Moore to being as good, if not better than Amari Cooper. That seems insane to me. And for Amari, yeah, you're being paid a lot of money. It's almost the Don Draper line. That's why we, that's why we pay you the money. 
Uh, you're supposed to be this good. But that's why we did it. You got $20 million a year with the idea that we're going to get 1,100 yards out of you, and it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. It doesn't matter what the situation is. You're going to haul in a bunch of catches. You're going to be as dependable as dependable gets, and you're going to have a really good season. That's exactly what he did last year. Now, I don't know why it felt like it was a quiet 1,100 yards. And what I mean by that is funny. He had the most touchdowns he's ever had in his career. He was within 30 yards of the most yards receiving he's ever had in his career. And there definitely were times, and maybe just where we're we're at with the season, but there definitely were times where it was like, huh, I know Amari's everywhere, but he doesn't feel like he's everywhere. Maybe some of that's got to change. Some of that's got to flip. It's got to feel like on third downs, there's nobody else this team is going to go to but Amari Cooper. Kind of like what happens with Kansas City with Kelsey. We're not only in the in the postseason when Mahomes is injured and hobbling on one foot, they broke records for tight end receptions. Maybe it's got to be like that. You know, big play in Cincinnati. Nine times out of ten, that ball's going to Jamar Chase. The tenth time it's going to Higgins, but nine times out of ten it goes to Chase. Maybe it's got to be one of those type of situations where game on the line, big third down play, something that really does matter to this offense, everyone in the building knows exactly where it's going and there's nothing they can do about it. It's a spot I hope we get to. Nothing they can do about it. It's going to be Watson. It's going to be Cooper. They're going to be connecting and they're going to be moving the chains. That's what I want to see. Two one six four seven four to below 92 on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at JP. Who's got to be the best non-Deshaun Watson offensive player for this Browns team? Is it as simple as Amari? Robert and Parma up next on the fan. Well, Robert. Hey, no, I, I agree. I, I think the 1,100 yards last year, it was quiet. And he's just not a guy. I like him. Don't get me wrong. I think you're spot on with the dependability. But he's not a guy that inspires fear in a defense. He's not a guy that takes the top off of defenses or that you're always looking for, hey, where's he lining up this time on the field? You know? Hmm. Yeah, and I wonder if that if like that element right there is what the fans are reaching for with Elijah Moore. One other thing for you, too. Yeah, what do you got? Was that a Marlo Stanfield reference? Yes, definitely. 100, 100%. Very nice. Oh, indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. I appreciate Bye. you, man. Yeah, I used to drop a million wire references, and uh, now that the show has is, is moved further and further away from us, I feel like I've retired more and more and more of them only because I don't want to be the radio host that is dropping 25-year-old movie or uh, TV episode clips. And mainly it's because, although I still will do that, like you guys hear the amount of times I reference Kingpin or Rounders, which both came out in 1996, a long time ago. But working around with some of these younger kids, you know, I got Jake here. He's like 21 years old. And sometimes I'll say some of these things like from the wire, which is not the oldest TV show in the world, but it's old enough where he was way too young to watch it when it was in its heyday on HBO. And I'll be like, oh no, oh no, he's got no idea what I just said, did he? And then sometimes I say it because it's fun for me. That's really, that's part of it. And if, if a couple people pick up on it, that's all that really matters. Like the, uh, a couple segments ago. And you and Jake got this one. That's why it made me smile. It made me laugh. We were talking. We threw, we were talking Spanish and all the different Spanish things in high school and all that nonsense. And I threw in there "Donde está la biblioteca," which is a, a Troy and Abed in the morning, a Parks and Rec thing. Like, or not? Sorry, not Parks and Rec uh, community. And it's one of those things you just either know or you don't know. And it's gonna make me smile. So I'll never retire the wire references completely. 
But uh, we, yeah, we're definitely phasing them out <laughs> with, with each passing day. Sports radio is getting younger is what the kids are saying. That's what everyone tells me. Talk radio, skewing young. No, it's not. No, it's not. All right. Anyway, 216-474-0092. We come on back. We got to get to the Guardians when that game wraps up. We got to get a lot to uh, off the beaten path in the 9 o'clock hour. But as always, time for the fan focus. It happens next right here on The Fan.